you're listening to Pipes, Pours, and Pals. I'm your pal Justin. And I'm your pal Nate. How you doing today, buddy? Oh, pretty freaking fantastic. How are you doing? Swell. I can't complain. Me neither. It's been, uh, been a decent week, productive week. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's not been bad at all. We, uh, well, let's see. What, what happened this last week? It was an eventful week. We got, uh, I think, two emails this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, we're rolling in emails, man. Yeah. Two emails. The Stanley Cup finished. Yeah, I was uh, yeah. I was kind of upset, but not surprised. No? Yeah. Like we talked about last time, I feel like the Avalanche just outplayed the Lightning by a yeah. lot. So I wasn't surprised that the Avalanche won, but it was a good game, though. I mean... Yeah, it was... Um... It's a good series. Yeah. They just couldn't. At the end, when there was like a minute left, they pulled the goalie and put an extra man out. Yep. I was like, ooh, they might get it now. But no. Nope. Not even close. Nope. It was just weird, man. Like, seven games prior to that, I was bashing hockey because of how stupid it was. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I can just remember like multiple times like jumping out off of the couch throughout that series. Like, and it was just, it was, it was kind of cool how quickly it, it grew on me. Yeah, yeah. And actually, on my way to work the other day, I was listening to our last recording. And I was thinking about um, when in October, what we need to do is figure out, you know, like football is only on Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays. I, I don't yep. know if hockey is only on certain days or... No idea. To, like, exactly. <laughs> no clue. But we need to arrange it so that we can watch some games like hang out, you know, yeah. have a beer, watch hockey. Watch the game while we're recording so we can, like, have, like, spontaneous reactions. Yeah. Yeah? Like a hockey podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Pucks, pipes, and pals. <laughs> and platters. <laughs> and platters. <laughs> so, <laughs> actually, our church has a, um, every, I think it's, like, fifth Sunday in the month. So, when whenever there's a fifth Sunday... Um, our church will have an evening service and they'll call it, they call it pie and praise. Mm. Yeah. And I guess it used to, at one point you were supposed to breathe, bring things that started with a P. Okay. Yeah. So they would have like pie and pizza and pierogies and I love pierogies, you know, pot pies and whatever Pringles, popcorn, Pringles. Yeah. But then it just turned into like, just bring whatever. I hate it when traditions get ruined by people's laziness. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when you do that like five times a year, it just kind of, you kind of, it kind of loses the luster after a while. It's like, how many, how many times can you think of something unique to bring that starts with P? I'd start making purple stuff. Like, this is purple spaghetti. Purple spaghetti. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I made purple mashed potatoes one time. There you go. We, um, so my brother lived us at the time. And we're already getting way off topic, but this is great. I loved it. Um, one Sunday afternoon, I was just like, I'm going to put food coloring in everything I make today. <laughs> yeah. And I made mac and cheese. And I, I like purposely made things that you could change the color on. It's so like I made mac and cheese and we turned it into green mac and cheese. Mm -hmm. We made purple mashed potatoes. And... Bet you had some colorful poop for a couple of days. Um, no, I don't remember that. The only thing I do remember, though, is that my brother lived with us at the time, and he refused to eat it. He was so upset. <laughs> so upset. What a turd. Yes. Why? 
because I'm not eating purple mashed potatoes. <laughs> I thought it was a blast. Like we had a blast with it. I don't remember what else we made, but I remember there was like three or four things that we changed the color of. He wasn't eating it. Yeah. Nope. You know, when I was a, back in the day when I worked in this kitchen, um, there was an army chef that worked there. He was retired from mm. the army. And he would take mashed potatoes and put red food coloring in it and turn them real bright red. Mm-hmm. He'd cut an orange in half and put the orange so that the flat, the flat side was on a fork so then it was rounded on top, you know? Mm-hmm. And he would take the mashed potatoes, he'd take a, like a tablespoon, like a regular dinner tablespoon, not the measuring one. Mm-hmm. And he'd take a scoop of mashed potatoes and he would smear it on that orange and he would just go all the way around and do it over and over and over again. It looked like a rose when he was done. Like start at the top and work your way down. Hmm. And then he would put them in the freezer. And then once, like the next morning, he said they used to do it in the army. And the next morning you take it out of the freezer and you put it like on your buffet if you're having a breakfast buffet. Mm-hmm. And as it starts thawing, it looks like dew on roses. And they were beautiful actually, but hmm. I never ate it. No, red dyed mashed potatoes on an orange doesn't sound good to me. I mean, they weren't for eating. They were just for garnishes. Like you'd put them in, like you'd put them around. Oh, when you said it, I've never tried it, I was like, well, I don't know that I ever tried it either. <laughs> well, you ate purple potatoes. I was saying I've, I didn't try the color. Yeah, I mean, I, I draw the line at frozen and on an orange. <laughs> like something about frozen red mashed potatoes on an orange just doesn't sound. These were specifically for decoration. Oh, they were not okay. for consuming. Oh. It just made it look I mean, like a little it's garden. perfectly edible. Yeah, 100%. But it just sounds really Unappetizing. Yeah, not good. Yeah. Anyway, we got way off topic. The key thing was food again. Right off the bat. My fault, because I talked about the pie and praise thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about uh, hockey. Yeah. And then you talked about mentioned changing the name of the podcast. Actually, so you started it. So it's all your fault. Um, but yeah, so the hockey, uh, the Stanley Cup finals was awesome. Thoroughly enjoyed it. My wife thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. We're both became hockey fans i feel like we were really bummed that we didn't start watching it sooner we're or we're super excited for the season to, the upcoming season starts in october i wonder if there's like specific foods that are meant to go along with hockey you know what i mean probably like applesauce because those guys don't have <laughs> teeth Pureed yeah, pure. <laughs> they run their steak through a meat grinder. <laughs> but no, like it, it was weird because, um, I don't know. The last couple of years, I've just kind of got really burnt out on sports. Like COVID, if if COVID taught me anything, it was like, you know, half the stuff in this world I don't need. Yeah, it's unnecessary. Like I did honestly, I didn't miss sports that bad during COVID. Um, and I, I mean, I'm you're talking to the guy that. Um, my office and my man cave and my house used to be like all sports decor. I played sports, multiple sports when I was a kid, uh, all the way through high school, even a little bit on into college. Um, I used to have season tickets to the Pacers and would go to like three games a week. Yeah. Um, I would consider at one time I would have considered myself a hardcore sports fan. And I guess during the lockdown, all the sports just kind of dried up. You know, yeah. college college football was put on hold. Uh, the NFL, if I'm, I don't remember, didn't they still have like an abbreviated season or something like that? Um, 
actually like Did they start late the way it fell um they didn't i don't think they had any sort of abbreviation actually they added a game did they yeah i don't remember i know basketball was affected a lot baseball was affected a lot baseball too. was affected a lot yeah because i remember my wife was very upset yeah and i can just remember like very few sports fans at any arena yeah like I mean, I can remember watching a baseball game during the COVID lockdown, and I remember being upset that I couldn't go to a game, but then there was Fauci there sitting in the, not to get political at all, but yeah. I just remember seeing Emma's like, that jerk, he's the reason we can't go anywhere, but yet he's at a baseball game. <laughs> he was like one of five people sitting in the stands. I liked it when they put the cutouts of like the season ticket holders yes. <laughs> and the different bleachers and stuff. I thought that was yeah, cool. Yeah, that was awesome. But no, I was going to say that hockey kind of renewed sports for me. Like, I immediately got a hunger for football. Yeah. As soon as it was done, I was like, well, hockey's not until October. But next month is football. Yeah. Well, you know, they're, good. what, they're, July is the last month without an NFL game. Once you get into August, that's when football starts. Is that when preseason starts? I always think it's I believe September, so. but you're probably right. It probably is. Preseason starts August. in August. Yeah, because I definitely saw a meme. And everything, every meme that you see is 100% true. Generally, yeah. Yeah. So the meme said something about uh, whisper sweet something in my ear. And the person leaned over and said, this is the last month that doesn't have NFL in it before the season starts. And then they got goosebumps. Mm, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then I got goosebumps and it was just like a touchy-feely situation there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I got excited. I was like, oh, man. Football's around the corner. Hockey's around the corner. Baseball's already here. So I've been watching some baseball games this week. Been watching some, not the Reds because, yeah, they need to sell the team. But yeah. Anyway, this is not a event about your subpar Major League Baseball team podcast. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about how Bob Castellini should sell his share of the team. So he's no longer majority owner because that would be venting about your subpar baseball team that's never been good in your entire life. You know what I think we should talk about instead? What's that? This coffee. This coffee, yeah. So what what we're drinking something different tonight, right? Yeah. No this, beers tonight. This coffee is probably the best coffee I think I've ever had in my entire life. It's my favorite coffee ever. It is absolutely insane. So my parents uh, lived in the Dominican Republic for probably twelve years. Okay. And then going down and visiting with them and then, then coming up, um, I got to try this coffee. It's now available in the U.S. You still have to order it straight from them, though. You can't get it in store. Okay. Uh, it's called Monte Real. Um, it's made in the Dominican. They have their own proprietary process. It actually has cocoa roasted in the coffee. And you can taste it. it is, it's fantastic. And it's not like fake chocolate taste. It's like roasted cocoa taste. Yeah. It's so good. Um, it's kind of got, got like a dark chocolatey, like super dark chocolatey. Yeah. Like bitterness and smooth. Bitterness and yeah. Smooth powder. Yeah. Mm. Not powdery, but like there's that, there's a texture to this coffee. Like it's not watery coffee. Like you would get like with the, the tin of Folgers, right? The can of Folgers is not tobacco. Um, <laughs> I think of everything as tins now. It's like. Do you need help? Do you need help open that tin of pickles? <laughs> oh, it's a jar. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, but yeah, no, this coffee is fantastic. I um, my parents bring up my parents when they go down to visit. 
they actually bring a whole suitcase of coffee and sea glass back. So they go down. So my parents, I, I should clarify, my parents, when they lived there, uh, supplemented their income by collecting sea glass and bringing it back to the States and selling it on eBay. They made like $40,000 a year selling broken glass to dumb Americans. Just for the ignorant people that exist in this world, mm -hmm. such as myself, what the heck is sea glass? Okay, so sea glass, um, so in, in a lot of third world countries, they use a lot of glass products for packaging their food and drinks and stuff like that. Okay. And uh, I don't know why that is. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand the manufacturing process, but for some reason, they use a ton of glass down there. You can't really get Coke in plastic bottles. Like if you want a Coke, it comes in a glass bottle. Okay. Um, so they have a, a crazy amount of glass there. And they also, they don't really have a good sanitation system like we do. It's not advanced like here's here in the U S like we have companies that we pay to come pick up our refuse and, you know, dispose of it for us and put it in landfills. And in the Dominican, most of it just ends up in the ocean, unfortunately. Okay. And like they literally take trucks of trash and they put it on a cliff and they dump it into the ocean. Hmm. And all this glass shatters in the rocks and then tumbles in the salt water and the sand and then washes ashore. And it's like, it's frosty looking. All the rough edges are gone. It's just like round. They look like you ever skipped a rock. Yeah. You know, the perfect skipping rock is like thin and flat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sea glass washes up in that shape. Okay. You can get small pieces, um, but you can also get. You know, my dad finds pieces that are the size of fifty cent piece. Okay. Um, but in it and in the tumbling, in the salty water plus the sand, it polishes all the rough edges off. But then it takes like a um, very frosted look. That's very interesting. And for some reason, Americans love to use it in jewelry and in crafts and mosaics and all sorts of stuff. Really? So my dad and mom will go for nice long walks on the beach with a five-gallon bucket, and they'll pick up sea glass. And then dad sorts it by grade. He has different grades and different colors and he, you know, he knows all the different colors and all that stuff. And he sells them that way. Like literally he has an eBay store for selling broken glass. Wow. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty crazy. So they actually go, even though they live back here now, they live here in Indiana. Uh, they still go back once a year just to do like a week's long trip to collect sea glass so they can sell it. <laughs> and it more than pays for the trip down there. Wow. They bring enough of it back that it pays for their entire trip plus some. You're letting their secret out, man. Hundreds of people going to the Dominican. I mean, millions of bottles a day are getting pushed into the ocean, unfortunately. And by, that's By sad. me telling people that, helping the environment. Yeah. That, Boom. That is sad, but I would rather... I feel like it's better it's glass than plastic, though. Yeah. Uh, you, you never find a turtle with glass shoved up. In his breathe holes. In his breathe holes? Yeah, you ever watch him pull that straw out of that turtle's nose? They're, they're called nostrils. <laughs> breathe holes? <laughs> I know they're called nostrils, but <laughs> other animals have breathe holes that <laughs> things get trapped in. 
But anyway, uh, the coffee is where we were going with this. The coffee is Monte Real. It's fantastic. It's so good. Uh, it's my favorite coffee. We don't get it very often. And if you, here's probably why I said 10 earlier, because um, I actually looked today to see how much it is online. You can buy it from the company directly. They have like a U.S. distributor in Miami, Florida. And it's seventeen ninety nine for a four hundred gram bag. Wow! So that's what eight ounces. It's expensive. Fifty grams is like one point seven five ounces. Yeah, and how many grams do you say? So it's less than a pound. It's a little less than a pound, actually. Well, it's, I guess it's not. It's still not good. Four hundred grams. Still pretty expensive. Two ounces. 14.11 ounces for those of you that like freedom units. I mean, pretty expensive still, obviously, I'm but a metric person. Sorry. You are a metric person? Yeah. I prefer metric. Do you? Yeah. Why? Because it makes sense and it's easy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How un American of you. <laughs> no, it's so I mentioned last episode that I'm an amateur, amateur radio operator. Yeah. And everything in amateur radio is metric. Yeah. And it's hilarious to me. So there's a lot of like homebrew things that people do in ham radio. They'll make their own antennas and stuff like that. Well, okay. So let's say you're, you're, you're wanting to make an antenna for the two meter band and you want to make a quarter wave. The wave is two meters long and you want to make a half wave or a quarter wave antenna, a quarter of two meters is a half a meter. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. What's funny is American ham radio operators insist on still measuring it in freedom units. Yeah. And so then they have like all these conversion, like these guys literally have conversion uh, formulas memorized because they were like, oh yeah, you got to take it and, you know, do it and to divide it by this and that and it tells you how many inches to make it. I was like, it's literally in the name how long to make it. Half of a meter. Yeah. Just cut it half a meter. But but we use inches. It's just cut it for half a meter. Yeah. It's so much easier. <laughs> Even like the temperature. Like everything about the metric is easier. Yeah. I, I don't really get into uh, the metric. Um, I, I use freedom units for temperature just because everybody does. I mean, like, yeah, here you can't really get sure. about it. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't go by celsius actually i have to at work do you yeah all our refrigerators everything is all by celsius hmm. um for some reason that's how it always is in the laboratory how un-american of them i know like some things have to be frozen at negative 70 degrees celsius and what's that what is that in freedom units I no i have no idea <laughs> it's probably not too far off i know i think at negative 40 they're the same i think that's where they meet up hmm. um but i i I have no idea. I have no idea either. I know zero is freezing in metric. And with us, yeah. it's 32. <laughs> That's a weird number, man. <laughs> That's just such an odd number. So this is off topic again, but yeah. uh, you mentioned converting um, temperatures. So the owner of the company I work for decided she was going to buy an air fryer for the break room. Nice. And out of the box, she bought it off of Amazon. And out of the box, it... The temperatures in it are in Celsius. And we've had this thing for probably close to a year now, and it still is in Celsius. Like you, nobody's nobody's 
changed the programming in it okay to change it to you know freedom yeah but some instead of you know just googling how to change it from <laughs> celsius to fahrenheit somebody went through the t- <laughs> the trouble of making a conversion chart <laughs> and laminated it <laughs> Like put it oh, what, by the fryer, by the air fryer. So it's it like, says like two hundred degrees Celsius equals so many degrees Fahrenheit. Yes. So, <laughs> so if your if your package says to you know, cook it at four hundred degrees Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. you need to set it at this much Celsius. And you know, I don't I don't ever use the thing, but like I've thought to myself many times, like you know, I could probably figure that in about thirty seconds and how to change that over. But I'm not gonna because this is really entertaining. That's like it's absurd. Literally every day I walk through the break room. And somebody's got their finger on the chart, like looking at the bag of their food. <laughs> I feel like it had to take so much longer amount of time to yes. go through and convert all of those temperatures. Yes. Than it would have just to Google. Absolutely. That's ridiculous. So I'm hoping that that person just had found humor in it, just like I do. Um, and that's just the why they did that. Yeah. Did it as like a joke. But the fact that everybody's <laughs> been so lazy as to never have just done that. I love it. Like, I can literally say I've never used that air fryer, but I find it extremely humorous that everybody has to use a conversion chart because they're too lazy to find out how to convert it to Celsius. That is hilarious. But yeah, I don't even know how we got that far off topic, but I had to tell that story as soon as we start talking about that. It's a um, good story. Yeah. Oh, we're talking about coffee. Back to the coffee again. Yeah. 400 grams, 17.99. Delicious. Yeah. It's incredible. That's the moral of the story. Best coffee I ever had. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of incredible, since that's your favorite word, I propose we start a new segment. Okay, what you got in mind? Uh, I think that every week I'm going to ask you what your incredible blend of the week was. Okay. Is this because I text you all the time? I'm like, I'm... Every week, you're like, <laughs> hey, I tried this new blend. Have you tried it? No. It's incredible. It's not always new blends. Sometimes it's old blends that I come back to. That's true. Um, And I... Excuse me. I think I even sent you a picture this week because I was enjoying a pipe on the way to work. You did. And it was one of the first blends I tried. And actually, I believe I tried it thanks to you. But uh, it's an oldie but a goodie. It's been around longer than we've been alive. But Prince Albert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've just been in this kick lately where I've been wanting burly heavy blends burly blends and mm-hmm. i love those old cotter blends yeah i love prince albert and, and uh, carter hall not nearly as much as you do um i'm also a huge fan of half and half but this week i almost exclusively smoked prince albert in the mornings when i woke up there i've said this before but one of my favorite things in the world is a cup of coffee with prince albert mm-hmm. in the morning when you first wake up they are just like, it's literally like a match made for heaven. It's incredible. Yeah. You told me early in the week that you had been smoking Prince Albert a lot or you had, you had already smoked it. Yeah. And that got me in the mood for it because it's been probably two months. It had probably been close to a year since I smoked Prince Albert. Really? I've had a couple of jars of it. um, And they were actually, I don't know if you remember, but when we first got, to know each other mm-hmm. you had found like six packs of prince albert at some random tobacco shop yeah the pouches yeah and you gave me two pouches okay i put them in jars i've gotcha. been sitting in jars ever since nice but uh yeah so i popped that open so my go-to thing which you know we talked a couple of episodes ago about i'm trying to be a little healthier 
and one of the things that is important for your health in general in daily unless you're doing some sort of like um intermittent fasting or something uh, breakfast is always important because you want to get your metabolism kick-started and going mm -hmm. so i've been trying to make it a point to eat breakfast every morning but i'm also not good at getting up early so i've been making just like a cup of yogurt and some oatmeal or something you know something easy and quick but i make a cup of coffee and i just i make it and then i let it sit while i get ready mm -hmm. and then right before i leave i'll pour it into a thermos and run out to my car you know and head to work and just having that coffee there with a nice bowl of prince albert on the way to work it's incredible it is incredible yeah, yeah. so that's been my incredible end of the week for sure prince albert this week i so i know a lot of people love prince albert obviously based on its success as a brand people love it yeah um i can't speak to the so it disappeared for a little while yeah but it came back so prince albert's always been made here in the us if i remember right and then after it came back the reason it was gone for so long is because they were from what i understand was that they moved the line to the dominican republic now i had heard that yeah prince albert and I believe Carter Hall are both made in the Dominican Republic now. Yeah, I believe that's correct. I have enough of the American, the old American stuff that I haven't cracked into the Dominican stuff yet. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's probably changed at all, but I mean, I'm probably, I'm guessing they're still getting their tobacco from the same places, same, you know, recipe, all that stuff. But I would imagine, but I'm in the same boat. The pouches that you gave me were the American made ones. Mm -hmm. And then I snagged two pouches of Carter Hall from a little tobacco shop. That were the little packages that don't make anymore. Yeah. That they were American ones. So that's still what I've been smoking the, the on. Travel pouches. Yeah. I actually liked those things because you could like stuff them in your pocket. No, they were go. awesome. They were amazing. They were and they incredible. Like, they, they, they were incredible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I've been smoking uh, Prince Albert. I've probably smoked five bowls of Prince Albert this week. Yeah. Um, I smoke at least one bowl a day though. So I've smoked other things. But Prince Albert's kind of been my go-to this week since you mentioned that you had smoked it. I was like, sounds pretty good yeah i'm glad i could inspire you yeah you always do <laughs> that's scary so i i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say i know i know some people think the prince albert is overrated um to those people i would say you got you're entitled to your opinion there's a reason it's been as successful as it has been oh for sure um if i had to and you don't have to give your response to this as necessarily as like if you would do this, but like if I had to limit myself to one, one blend the rest of my life, it'd be Prince Albert. Well, on your seven day rotation, it's the first one listed. Mm -hmm. So I, I can see that being the case. I mean, I go back and forth between Carter Hall and Prince Albert. They're somewhat similar blends. They have a little bit different taste, but overall they're pretty similar. Pretty similar. Yeah. Um, but I think if I had to pick one blend, for the rest of my life, it would probably either be Carter Hall or Prince Albert because I enjoy Burley blends and I love coffee. And a Burley blend with the coffee is fantastic. Yeah, it is. Um, but if I had to pick between one of those two, it'd probably be Prince Albert. It's a great blend. Yeah. It, it's incredible. It is. Absolutely incredible. I agree. I love it. I have hordes of it. I know. I mean, I've got a jar that's probably got a pound of it right here next to me. I don't have any other else on the shelf here, but I know I got a ton in that cabinet. I think I got like... You have at least two unopened tubs of it, I know of. I'm pretty sure I have four. 
And I think I have another jar of it in there, if I'm not mistaken. I have a pouch on the top shelf up there still. Still have one of the American-made pouches. I got stuff in the way I can't see, but no. there is. I saw, I, I did see two down there for sure. Yeah, I got some Carter Hall. I got a bunch of Carter Hall and a bunch of Prince Albert. And I ain't never going to run out. Well, you're a prepper. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we were having this talk the other day at work about, uh, I don't know if you heard about the sunspot that was facing yes. Earth. Have we talked about this before on here? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, sunspots can sometimes cause solar flares to happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you're um, familiar with how solar flares are rated. Um, but the largest solar flare on record happened like in the 1800s, and it was like an X-38, I think. And it knocked out. There wasn't a whole lot of electricity in the late 1800s when this thing hit. But there were um, telegraph you know, operators and whatnot. And um, there were reports of what electricity there was, was completely knocked out. A lot of things got disrupted and there were reports of people being able to use their telegraphs without them being connected. Like they weren't hooked up to anything, but they were still working because there was so much energy that hit the earth from that solar flare. Wow. So if a solar flare of that size were to hit the earth again, it would probably destroy all of our electrical equipment to a point where the grid would completely go down and we would be down for a very long time. I got this. And that's, we were talking about it at work. And <laughs> immediately I was like, I know exactly where I'm going. <laughs> if the stuff goes down. I know exactly who I'm shooting. Yeah. <laughs> that was our next conversation at work. <laughs> My friend. At You're work. the biggest mooch I know, man. I'm not just <laughs> I can't let that guy come here. He's going to milk yeah. me dry. <laughs> I have to feed my kids. Yeah, that's what well, I work. If, I, if that happened, you're welcome at my house. <laughs> at work, this guy was None like, of you guys, but Nate is definitely yeah. welcome. <laughs> this guy was like, do you really think people would start killing each other? Do you think that it would be like a brotherly love? Like, w- let's share what we got. And I was like, there will be murders immediately. I'm already thinking who I'm going to kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nate's like, yeah. I'm going to go kill Justin, yeah. take all the stuff. <laughs> Episode 35 is coming early. <laughs> no. <laughs> No. I'm sorry, guys, but if I guess if this thing whole this whole thing happens, uh, this is our last episode, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's been nice knowing you. No more emails, no more Instagram, no more podcast. I think that I think that the worry of this time is over, though. But I actually heard that um, a solar flare did barely miss the Earth. That was an enormous solar flare in the year 2012, which mm. means that the Mayans were really close to being right. Mm. But uh, it did miss us. I didn't really buy, even as a prepper, I didn't really buy into the whole 2012 thing. Oh, I was ready to go. Were you? Yeah. I just kept thinking something's going to happen. December 12th or 24th, whatever it was, 2012. World's just going to end? I thought, I just was waiting. I was like, either, I, th- I thought, honestly, a thought that I had was, because some weird things happen with the Mayans. They have some weird paintings. They have some weird stuff that we can't even explain to this day. Mm-hmm. Like with the crystal skulls and stuff, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So my whole thing was I aliens saw Indian jo- are coming Indiana back. Jones. Yeah, exactly. But I was like, aliens are coming back, and that was like their warning. Like the calendar was made by aliens. That's one of the thoughts I had. You know what I mean? I was like, on December in December of 2012 is when they're going to come back, and that's why aliens. they don't do the calendar anymore. 
aliens. <laughs> They're going to come back and turn the frogs gay. <laughs> I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, what's funny is people automatically assume that because I'm a prepper that I'm also a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. But the really the biggest thing I enjoy about conspiracy theories is mocking people that believe conspiracy <laughs> theories in spite of the fact that I'm a prepper. Like, that's not so much mocking, but like, I'm not really worried about like events happening. Like, you would think that somebody that's prepared for the future like I am is worried. Is kind of, like That's always the, the, the stereotype about preppers. They're always, you know, they've always got some sort of conspiracy theory or they're always worried about the end of the world happening. It's just like, no, I just want to be prepared when anything does happen. Like when COVID happened, I can tell you that I felt extremely prepared. Yeah. Not as pre- I learned really quick. I didn't feel as prepared as I wanted to feel. Yeah. But I really wasn't worried about toilet paper. Let me tell you that. Wasn't worried about toilet paper. I bought food and toilet paper still just because I didn't want to deplete my supply. Yeah, I was. We struggled. <laughs> <laughs> my brother and I lived together at the time and we were just two bachelors when it started, you know. Uh-huh. And I just want to say we were thankful for the many napkins we had saved <laughs> <laughs> from the from all of our door dashes. <laughs> Oh my! There was a point in time we couldn't find it anywhere, but then I actually got really lucky because the the hospital that I worked at at the time he kept stealing their toilet paper. <laughs> Those patients don't need it. You can dispose of off. No, um, <laughs> they opened up. They closed the the cafeteria there, you know, because no one could eat near each other. Mm-hmm. So they closed that, but they made part of it into a mini mart. And I don't know where they how they did this, but they brought in. Because the stores were closing at times when people who worked at the hospital couldn't get food. Mm-hmm. So they brought in, every day I wanted to work at the hospital, you could go to the mini mart and they had toilet paper, eggs, meat, bread, like essentials there that you could buy. And you could, they had it set up so you could do it um, through like the um, payroll deduction. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to pay for anything up front if I didn't want to. You know what I mean? Nice. But they were, I mean, I was, I've, I've worked at a lot of hospitals in my life. And this is like a community-owned hospital. It's not like, um, or like a county hospital. It's not like one of the big chains, like Ascension, St. Vincent, or Community, or anything like that. Yeah. And it's easily, hands down, and by far the best hospital I've ever worked at. No hospital I've ever worked at would have done what they did at COVID when they brought in groceries for their employees to buy. It That's was, awesome. Yeah, so I had toilet papers where that was going. That is awesome. Yeah, it was very, very cool. I don't even remember how we got on this subject. Oh, solar flares and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't even heard we got in that topic. It's hard to say, man. Yeah, it's really hard to say. Um, oh, you called me a prepper because of all my <laughs> all because of all my Prince Albert. Um, but yeah, so the solar flares thing was that this last week. I yeah, it was last yeah, I think it was last week. Yeah. So remember how I told you I was having problems with my cell phones all week this week? Yeah. You think that had anything to do with it, Mister Science? No. No? I have no idea. Oh. It could be. Well, I can tell you that I was thoroughly confused. Because, so, 3G is sundowned at this point. I mean, there's only a couple companies out there that still have existing 3G networks out there. Okay. Right? Well, so, I'm in the fire alarm industry, or fire safety industry, more than fire alarms, but um, there are communicators, or dialers, essentially, that are on some people's fire alarm systems that are cellular. Hmm. 
because a lot of places have gotten rid of their POTS lines. They don't have copper lines anymore. Okay. So they'll either use network or they'll use, you know, cellular. Well, a lot of these people have had cellular for several years and those lines were 3G. Oh. Well, I don't remember which major company it was. It was like Verizon or AT&T or somebody. Sprint, I think so it was this week. Sprint last week or week before last. I can't remember. But they they started their sundown on their 3G. They were discontinuing all the 3G networks. Well, like there was one day where we had like 40 customers call. And they were like, I don't have monitoring anymore. I'm, I got nothing but troubles on my fire panel. Wow. Yeah. And so like there was just like this major catastrophe where customers were just calling us and they were like, you know, the company that I worked with didn't tell me this was happening. And, you know, we had, we literally had one corporation that had like 40 buildings. They said, you know, this other company cut us off. And I'm over here like, oh, they didn't really cut you off. You just didn't pay attention to the, le- pay attention to the letters they sent you, but mm. I'll take your business anyways. Um, anyway, I had one person was like, I think it's the sunspots. And I had no idea what they were talking about. Oh, it was just this last week. They mentioned something about like, solar flares and sunspots. And I know a little bit about sunspot cycles um, because sunspots are They go in cycles, right? Um, That you can time them. You like, you know when they're going to happen. I think they're always there. They're just, the sun rotates and we rotate. Correct. Like, you know, when they're going to be like most effective based on the calendar, essentially. Cause that you, that you deal with that with ham radios too, don't you? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So like, Right now, if I recall, um, I don't I don't do ten meter and six meter very often, um, but those two bands are really highly affected by sunspot cycles, apparently. Okay, and so I guess depending on the cycle that where you're at in the cycle, you'll have better means of communicating on those bands. It's interesting. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't get on those bands very often, so I don't know much about it. Um, but 10 and 6 are really popular. Uh, 6 meters is super popular when the sunspot cycle is just right. So, I don't know if it's a good time right now or not. Like, I just don't know. I don't get on it enough to know that. Hmm. When I was in school, I remember one of my science teachers was telling me that uh, radio waves can bounce off clouds. They can, yeah. Depending on the frequency. So, he was saying that when it's cloudy out, sometimes you can get better. Like sometimes you could pick up, like we're outside of Terre Haute back then. And, uh, he was saying that you could pick up Indianapolis station sometimes on your, in your car, if it's a cloudy day. And I, I did notice that when it's cloudier, there was like one Oh three, three or whatever it was. that was out of India. I could pick up every once in a while, hmm. but I was wondering if that had any effect on ham radio, is it, they use a different kind of wave? Well, it's so there's many different bands in ham radio. I mean, there are, so you have VHF, very high frequencies. Um, you have UHF, which is ultra high frequencies. You have HF, which is high frequency. So you have several bands in each of those segments. Okay that are on the ham spectrum that are on, that are available for hams to um, communicate on. Um, Some are better certain times of the year. Some are better for longer distances. Some are better for shorter distances. Like UHF is great for local communication. 
UHF, um, like the 70 centimeter band, the, literally the wavelength is only 70 centimeters long. Like if you were to look at the actual, if you could see the wavelength of the signal, mm-hmm. it's only 70 centimeters long. Not very big. No. Um, the frequency. So your frequency of any band or any of any, um, your frequency of any signal is measured between the peak to the peak. So your waves wave, okay. are like a wave, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your waves are measured as the distance between the peaks. Okay. So from peak to peak is 70 centimeters on the 70 centimeter band. Okay. And all of your bands, so like 10 meters, there's literally on that wavelength, there are 10 meters between the peaks. Oh, wow. Okay. In the signal. But there are some that are, you know, it goes, you know, six, six is technically, technically considered VHF. I think there's charts to tell you which, whether that, what they fall in. Okay. Um, wow. I'm really getting into the weeds on this nerdy topic, but you've got six, you've got 10, you've got 20, you've got 40, you've got all men up to like, I think it's like 140 meters. Wow. Between peaks in the wavelength for hand bands. I'm sure there's stuff outside of that, but I think that 140, maybe 160, I can't remember. I have a chart for it out of my other desk out my hand radio area. Okay. Um, but yeah, kind of, there's, there's all sorts of different things. Like the, the high frequencies are better for traveling distances and getting long distance contacts, mm-hmm. whereas your shorter frequencies are better. Their, their line of sight, the, fr- the frequencies are so high, they literally shoot right through the atmosphere. So like if you like if you want to communicate with the space station, I forget the exact frequency that you would communicate on, but it's either, it's either in the VHF or UHF range. It's super, it's a super high frequency. Okay. Um, but yeah, you can take a directional antenna and point. You can trace. You can track with app where the space station is, International Space Station. And uh, if I recall, there's always a uh, there's always a licensed ham operator on the International Space Station. Like the astronauts themselves are licensed to do ham radio. So anybody that has a, a is a certified operator of amateur radio Correct. could contact the space station. Correct. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. No. Can you point a laser pointer at it? <laughs> I don't know. It's a totally different topic, man. I don't know. I wonder if we could if if you could track it with this thing's flying fast. But if you could track it on the app and you point your antenna at it. And you get a hold of the guy. I wonder if you could just be like, tell me if you see this red dot. <laughs> the the conversations are, are they're very rarely a conversation. Usually um, you're receiving data um, from there. Um, there's actually guys that do the, like this is part of the. So there's so many aspects to amateur radio that guys do that they have their little niche area that they like in ham radio. Yeah. Um, one of those is like. Uh, you ever heard of APRS? No. It's basically GPS using radio signals. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, you can have you can have it to where you're um I don't I don't really get into APRS, so I can't speak to it with any authority on it, but from what I understand, you're constantly pinging out radio signals. And it will basically map. You can use it to track assets, actually. Uh, there's guys that do that. There's guys that will 
um, try to contact the space station. There's guys that like to just um, get and decipher data from the International Space Station, like pictures and stuff like that. Mm. You could actually get the radio signals and have software in your computer that will translate those signals into data. There's WinLink, which is like sending emails via radio. Mm. It's a thing. There's a lot of different things you could do. And a lot of nerdy stuff going on. Yeah. I got into it for MCOM, emergency communications. Yeah. Um, naturally, as a prepper, I want to be able to communicate when crap hits the fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that big solar. There are so many aspects to it. Super nerdy. You know something I was thinking about? Super nerdy. That I was kind of, I thought was interesting. According to some very quick research that I did this week when we had that conversation at work about solar flares, they, from what I read, if an EMP or a solar flare were to go off and cut down communication and like basically wreck the electrical, you would have to have a car that was made before 2002 to work. Otherwise their computer chips are going to be fried and you wouldn't be able to use them. Hmm. So I was surprised that you don't have a car that was made before 2002. No. Get rid of Dorothy. Uh, even she was really more than that. Yeah. I didn't get rid of Dorothy. <laughs> yeah. Our most loyal listener totaled Dorothy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Mrs. Codger ran a red light and totaled my favorite car I've ever owned that I paid $800 for. <laughs> Dorothy is, was a 2005 Ford Focus station wagon. Mm-hmm. She was my storm chasing vehicle. Yep. Cause that's another nerdy thing I do is go out and watch severe thunderstorms and just stand out in the middle of the cornfields and stuff and just watch severe weather roll through. But yeah, that's my storm chasing car. Mrs. Codger wrecked it. Well, I'm glad she's okay. Hmm. I ended up having to sell her to the salvage yard. Mrs. Codger? <laughs> oh, uh, I was more worried about Dorothy. Sorry. Sorry, man. You brought up a tough sub- subject. I'm sorry, buddy. I, I got a little hurt, hurt thinking about her. Well, we can go on a, a better subject and talk about our, our bill of lading. I was just getting ready to say that because this has been a great blend. I'm very, very happy with it, actually. I just packed Dare I say that this has been incredible? I think I would go that far. It's been pretty incredible. Has it? Yeah, I really, really enjoyed. You know, when you say incredible, it's rather non, not credible. You say incredible so much, it's not even credible anymore. I disagree. Are you just that positive in life that you think everything's incredible? I don't think everything is incredible, but I do think that a lot of things are incredible. Everything is awesome. (laughs) Everything is cool when you're smoking a pipe. (laughs) New theme song. I love it. Um, Yeah, so we are smoking our bill of lading blend for the week. Uh... This segment brought to you by our good friend, Mike Lading. Which is awesome. Yeah, because he's usually the only person that emails us. Aside from Russell this week. Yeah. Russell from Zionsville, Indiana. We got another Hoosier on board. I know. When I read that, I was like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah, he gave us lots of great feedback about the podcast. Um, Russell's a recent convert from cigar smoking to pipe smoking. Yeah, yeah. And um, his first pot, he listens to podcasts and he thought, well, since I'm getting into pipe smoking, I'm gonna look for a pipe smoking podcast. 
found Country Squire, then found Pipe and Tamper. Yep. Yep. Um, and then heard about us on Pipe and Tamper via our good friend Jay giving us a shout out. And so we're his third pipe podcast. Yeah. And uh, you know, now that you found the best one, <laughs> you don't need to look any further, man. Yep. Third in order, but first in his heart. Yes. No, third in order, but first in his heart. Now, this is, as far as pipe standards go, this is the worst pipe podcast ever, because we, we don't talk about pipes very much, man. It's true. I mean, he told us he likes it. He said it's the most organic of all the pipe <laughs> podcasts out there, but um, I, you know, I don't like organic food. I love talking about food, but none of it's organic. I mean, my wife's a gardener. She's got a 7,000 square foot garden. Yeah. Huge. Big greenhouse. Uh-huh. She grew 250 tomato plants last year. I mean, like, big time gardener. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not certified organic, but I would say she's pretty organic. We don't really use, we don't use pesticides. She makes her own fertilizer from <laughs> kitchen scraps and chicken poop and stuff like that. And rabbit poop. Yeah. I don't know. It's as organic as I get, I guess. Yeah. But uh, anyway, thanks for reaching out to us, Russ. We had some great conversation through email this week. Um, But back to this bill of lighting blend. We are smoking Esoterica Tilbury. Yeah. And it's incredible. It is fantastic. You didn't want to say incredible that I time? I really like it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what do you like about it? Um, the flavor. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's a Virginian Burley blend. And like I said before, I've just been in a Burley mood lately. Um, so when I saw this you know whenever i come over here we hang out and we kind of go through all the blends that mike sent us and pick one out each week to give it a shot and i saw that one and i was like i've been wanting to try it for a while mm-hmm. and i looked it up real quick and i was like oh virginia burley for sure i want to try that and i'm glad we did it is a tasty treat i don't really get the virginia as much in it i get burley in your face burley and i think i'm not complaining about it. i love burley oh yeah um so I get cocoa. I get a cocoa nut. Not much, but I get a cocoa note. I get a little bit of hay. I think the cocoa note, honestly, I feel like that's like the cocoa-y kind of nuttiness. I think that comes from the burley almost. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but on, on the Tobacco Reviews website, it says, a harmonious blend of golden and dark Virginias with small portions of burley and air-cured leaf matured by a special process over 100 years old, producing a unique natural aroma and interesting flavor. Hmm. And Surprise me that it's just got a little bit of burley because that's what I taste mostly is burley. Yeah. And I don't know. Um, I can tell there's Virginia because my tongue's on fire. Yeah. My tongue is on fire. This is a Bernie blend for me. Like... I'm not even a third way through the bowl, and my tongue is on fire. Yeah. I'm actually on my second bowl, and uh, it's pretty burny. I think that's a good, yeah. But it's dry, though. Like, this, now granted, this has been in a bag for, like, two months. Something like that, yeah. It's been in a plastic bag. But it's, it's not, not too, too dry. dry. It's not, like, powdery, no. but oh, it's no, not no. damp at all. I get that earthiness from the Virginias, and it. It doesn't, I've, on the retro hill, every once in a while, if I get it good and hot, I'm getting that little bit of burning sensation in my sinuses. 
from the Virginias, but it's not terrible. And so it's, it's relatively smooth overall. And I do get that sweetness from the Virginias, but, yeah. the, but then that nuttiness, cocoiness from the Burley. Um, it's just very well blended. They go really well together. And uh, it's a really good blend. Yeah, I actually, I've seen this one around before, um, as opposed to other esoteric blends that I've never seen in real life. And uh, I would say that I don't think, I think I would definitely buy this if I ever saw it again, just just to smoke it. Like it, I really, really like it a lot. I'm going to go out on a limb here. It is my second favorite bill of lighting blend so far. Really? Mm-hmm. That high? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give us an eight. We've been really bad about giving our ratings. We always, every time we end an episode, almost immediately I go, dadgummit, I forgot to give our rating. Yeah. We've been writing them down the entire time. Yeah, we take them. We just keep forgetting. To, we just don't like to share the Yeah, we don't like to share it. So we're going to do a recap here in a second. But um, my top two, I gave 5,100 a nine. And I love it. I'm almost out. I can't believe you made it last this long. I've been I've been doing like one bowl. He gave us a really good helping. Yeah, he did. And uh, I've been doing like one bowl a week now just to kind of like savor it. Mm-hmm. Like make it special. Like if I need to come home and forget about work for the day, I'm smoking a bowl of 5,100. Yeah. But I'm going to give this a solid eight. I think I'm going to go with a seven. And that's above Penzance for me. I gave Penzance a seven. Yeah, I think I'm going to give this a seven. It's really, really good. Um, it's not my favorite blend. Um, but uh, really only one higher than Green Dragon? Yeah. I think I might have been too generous to Green Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll go over... We'll go ahead and do a recap right now since we're already talking about it. Okay. Um, the blends that we have have done so far are in soda bed penzance mcclellan 5100 Silum's red yeah should even put that on the list it was awful uh Doro. uh germain's plum cake right yeah uh green dragon and tilbury so in soda bed i gave it a 6.5 I it was just a hair above eh for me. I gave it a seven point five because I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Now, I don't know if you remember back this far, but having had these two, you like Ants Out of Bed better than Tilbury? A hundred percent, yeah. A hundred percent better? Or you're just hundred percent sure you like it better? I'm one hundred percent sure I like Ants Out of Bed better than Tilbury. Okay. Uh Penzance, I only gave a seven. Yeah. I thought it was good. I gave it a 10 and I would give it a 10 again. I, I thought it was severely overrated. Like for the money people spend on Penzance, it was just. <laughs> I would never spend the kind of money that people spend on Penzance on Penzance. But that's why I couldn't give it a higher rating because it was just like for what it is and for how much does it cost? It cost. It's not worth like I can't give it any higher than a seven to me based on what it cost. If you get it from a. A, a regular shop, it's going to cost just as much as all the other ones. Mm-hmm. So, um, how many times have you found it at a regular price from a shop? Exactly, never, <laughs> not once. But 
I don't think it ever ever exists for that price. I think they just say it does. I, I don't I'm know. the esoterica like bloodhound man. I can find esoterica hidden under a boulder 20 miles away from my house. I think what you have to do is get in good with somebody who works there and then have them put one back for you. I feel like that's the only way you can ever get it. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times when shops get it in, they have loyal customers that they just call. They're like, hey, there's Penzance here. I don't know. I could just be talking out of school. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I know you and I both had it in our cart one time. We placed an order. And then those schmucks at the un, the company that, sh- that shall remain nameless yeah. had the gall to call us. Oh, like, at least they, they offered to replace yours with a blend of your choice. Was that what they said to you? Yeah, they listed something. They were like, we... They're like, sorry, we sold out of Penzance, but if you would, if you want to replace it with, uh, they said we still have some bags of Margate and Cardiff and some some other ones, and I was like, me, yeah, I didn't no. get that option. They said we'll replace it for a like blend, and I was like, what's a like blend? Because like blends that I know of with Penzance that I've heard are, you know, Quiet Nights and so on. Yeah. And I'll be darned if I'm going to buy Penzance and then you're going to send me Quiet Nights. I love Quiet Nights, but I wanted Penzance. Yeah. But anyway, the point I was trying to make is I don't think you should hold it against Penzance that people pay too much for it. Like, I understand where you're coming from. I don't think it's worth that amount either. But if you can get it for a normal retail price, I I think it's one of the best I've ever had in my life. I'm still not there. Even, it's fine. Even if at, at let's say twenty dollars a ten, which you can't even find it in store for twenty dollars a ten, hardly, um, not in a brick and mortar. Uh, but even at twenty dollars a ten, it's still a seven for me. That's fine. I just didn't care for it. Um, I mean, I, I I liked it. It's just it wouldn't make my rotation. Yeah. Um. It was just meh. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, fifty one hundred. I love fifty one hundred. It was incredible. It was incredible. I gave it a nine. You gave it an eight. Yep. Selim's red. My lowest rated one. Yeah. Four point five. Uh, it's tied for the lowest rated one for me. I did not like Selim's red at all. From Brett Christian was with us on that episode. Yeah. But we didn't actually get to record that episode. We recorded it and then it died in the middle. Yeah. So you guys never did get to hear about Selim's red. But we did try Salem's Red. You may get to hear clips of that in the future. But none of us were really a fan of it. It was just, bleh. it's kind of weird. Yeah, my wife loves it. They got. I still got the rest of that. What whatever it was, how many, how much we had. I don't remember how much it was, but he gave us a pretty good portion. I'm gonna guess Mike didn't like it either, so he sent us a bunch. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, he sent us a pretty good, a hefty portion. Yeah, and my wife loves it. So hey, she can have the rest of it. Um. Jubileo d'oro. Jubileo d'oro. Um, I gave that one a five. I didn't. It was just meh. I loved that one. I get. I mean, I gave it a seven, so I didn't like love love it, but um, it was a delicious Virginia blend with just a hint of Latakia and the flake. Um, I really really liked it a lot. Uh, Germain plum cake. I gave a six point five. I gave that one a seven. Also, it was a tasty treat. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was good. It was a good everyday smoke. I, I wouldn't tell people not to buy it. 
Oh, yeah. No, me neither. And it wouldn't go on my seven-day rotation. But uh, Psyllium's Red I would not recommend to somebody. Yeah. Like, I... Mm, it's not one I would recommend. This one was a tough one for me. Green Dragon. I wanted to like this blend. Same. Because I've never had anything from Country Squire I didn't like. Yeah. Now, granted, I think in that episode we talked about maybe I've had four or five blends. I can't remember what it is, but I've never had one that it was just... You know, I was thinking... Subpar. When I was listening to that episode, I was thinking, I think every blend I've ever bought from them has been an aromatic. Because I bought Second Breakfast, Rivendell, Old Toby. And then we tried... Angry Cornishman. Angry Cornishman. And then we just tried Green Dragon. There's They have a couple of them on their website that aren't the Lord of the Rings blends uh-huh. that I really want to give a, give a shot. Um, like... Uh, uh, they have one that's like uh, I think cowboy coffee or something like that. They have one. They have one that's Cherokee and one that's Choctaw, and one that's uh, is it Indian Outlaw or you know that song half Cherokee and yeah Choctaw yeah my baby she's a Chippewa yeah yeah that song what's that song called mm. oh man well Indian Outlaw yeah I think. yeah yeah so they have Cherokee and Choctaw I don't even know who sings it I don't either actually I it's think Blake it's, Shelton I think it's Blake Shelton no it's not I don't know it doesn't matter but the point is. Early Blake Shelton. They have one blend called Back Cherokee. When he was good. And they have one blend called Choctaw. And then they have Indian Outlaw, which is just 50-50 of each. It's half Cherokee and half Choctaw? Yeah, which I thought was extremely clever. But um, If they had a baby, would it be a Chippewa? Yeah. She'd one be of one a of a kind. kind. Yeah. Terrible. The point of this is I think I should try those things <laughs> from them. That's where I was trying to go with that. Yeah, I mean, I... Because their aromatics are, in, they're delicious. Yeah. They're so good. I have their figgy pudding too. It's incredible. It's, everything's incredible to you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I agree with you. I, their aromatics I've had are absolutely incredible. Yeah, they are. Delicious. Delectable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rivendell. It's on my list. Yeah. Uh, it didn't make my list, but it was pretty close. And I love their podcasts. First of all, I don't see any of the other pipe podcasts as competition. I think there's plenty of space for all of us to have our little, oh yeah, our our little domain. And all, most of them are so like they're so much bigger than we are anyway. So like, much bigger and better. Yeah, and we don't even talk about pipes half the time, anyways. It's just two dudes smoking, shooting the breeze, talking about conspiracy theories and right. You know, hey frogs, <laughs> but they but their podcast is. It actually helped me out quite a bit starting out. It gave me ideas for things to try and um, listen to JD talk about. They did a series a while back about how to like refine your palate kind of. Mm-hmm. And hearing them talk about that, I, I really felt found it to be helpful. I've listened to probably half of their episodes at this point. Yeah. And they've got, did they, have they crossed a thousand episodes yet? I don't know, but they have. An astronomical amount. An astronomical amount. Like, yeah. they were the pipe podcast forever. Yeah. Um, I love their podcast. Um, the guys seem swell as can be. They've been super helpful to me in my growth as a pipe smoker. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to love this blend. I just did. I want to love everything that has Country Squire's name on it. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was, a, it was a decent blend. It wasn't terrible by any means. It just, it wasn't nearly as good as I thought I, it was going to be. I don't be. think it was terrible, but I wouldn't recommend it to people. No. I feel like there are better There's blends. There's way better blends out there in that same class. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't say that with any malice. Like, it's just, 
And I know it a lot of people online have said that they they love that blend. It's one of their favorite blends. And that's, I mean, maybe, you know, whatever. Yeah. To each their own. But And if somebody said they wanted a Virginia, I wouldn't point them towards Green Dragon. No. I could think of other Virginias I'd point them to. A Virginia I had this week that I really, really enjoyed was um, Capstan Ready Rub Blue. Oh, yeah. Classic. It was... It's been around forever. Incredible. Yeah. It was. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I just told you a few weeks ago, like, I've never been a Virginia person, but I've they've been getting me lately. Like, I love Virginias lately. It makes me so happy. Like... I... Yeah. I there's so many blends that I, I wanted you to try a while back, and I just knew you weren't a Virginia's, and you especially weren't a Virginia Perique's. But now I feel like I can try to revisit some and force them down your throat. <laughs> Only... If you follow Russ's, Russell's uh, suggestion and you go fishing and you take <laughs> used toothpaste to wash your hands with and it takes care of the fishy smell. That, okay, yeah. That was a, a tip. I've never heard of that before and I'm I'm willing to give that a try. It sounds like it makes sense. It could work. I'm just going to go buy like to the dollar store and buy some cheap toothpaste and throw it in my tackle box. I don't have a tackle box, but I'm going <laughs> to get a tackle box. I'm going to put toothpaste in it. <laughs> it's going to have hooks and toothpaste. <laughs> no, you've been on a um you've been on a disc golf kick lately though. Oh yeah, yeah. My buddies and I back in uh in Terre Haute where I grew the up, hut. in the in the hut. We were really into disc golf back in the day. We we played it a lot. And then I just I don't think I've played in a long long time. When I first moved to Indy, my cousin and I would go around and play. There's a couple of courses around Indy that are really pretty nice. One of them is downtown in a park, and there's this little park uh, called Hazeldell Park. It's mm-hmm. off of Hazeldell Parkway. Mm-hmm. Um, Great course. Yeah, it's the only thing in this park is like five picnic tables and a disc golf course, and that's it. It's a phenomenal course. It's a great little course, though. I love how like half of the course is in the woods right next to the White River. Mm-hmm. I was so afraid I was going to throw a disc in that water. Been there, done that. Yeah, I'm, I imagine. That hole that plays right up against the water, like the pin is 20 feet from yeah. the river. Uh-huh. Rolled one into the water there. I played that one so soft. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, probably took me five five tries to get there. I've I cut my teeth quite a bit on that course. Uh, I've played disc golf for... Mm, since 2006. That's probably, well, no, I probably got into it around 2009. Yeah, I played very seriously for years. Tournament player, um, traveled and played. I've played many states. My Actually, my favorite course I've ever played is in Morristown, Tennessee. Really? Yep, it's Kiwanis Park in Morristown, Tennessee. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's, um, you know, in Smoky Mountains. Yeah. And it's actually on the foothills of the Smokies. It's not technically in the Smokies there, but it's lots of clay, uh, like that dark red uh, clay soil. Yeah. And then they have like rock outcrops that just like come out of the ground. Um, and you're like playing over these rock valleys. It's just absolutely gorgeous. Sounds awesome. It's, it's gorgeous. Um, it's a very fun course to play. They have sinkholes there that you have to watch out for. That's fun. There's a cave with bats. Ooh. Um, I've heard that there are copperheads and 
rattlesnakes there that you got to watch out for. Haven't have luckily haven't come across those in the times I've played there. We have those in Indiana. Yeah. Well, I don't play at those courses in, in Indiana. <laughs> That's mostly down south. That's true. I'm from northern Indiana, where the only thing we have to worry about is coyotes and mad deer. Yeah. And your cousin. Yeah. That's fair. Anyway, um, we got a topic again, as per usual. Um, what was your favorite blend so far? So we're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven blends in to the Bill of Lading. Penzance. Penzance? <clears throat> Did you do get some ash in your mouth? Yeah, I got a bunch of ash in my mouth. Oh, man. I was like, it was kind of Was it from the ash hole? Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of clogged, and I was really puffing on it, trying to get, and it it all went into my mouth. Just sucked it right out of the ash hole, huh? Yeah. Mm. Hate when wash, that happens. Wash that down. <clears throat> yeah, what are you uh, washing that down with? Ooh. Yeah, so um, I've never tried this before. But this is non-alcoholic, right? Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Not supposed to be doing anything. <laughs> but uh, you let me try some of this Elijah Craig Small Batch, mm-hmm. seventeen eighty nine. It's Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, and uh, dare I say, it's incredible. It's very, very, very good. I couldn't say it better myself. Yeah, I just get like notes of. Bourbon and incredible. I love how like the incredible hangs on your tongue. Yeah, it kind of hits you in the back a little bit too. Yeah. The incredible does. Mm-hmm. No, but it is very, very tasty. Yep. I can't speak to any notes on I know I love bourbon. Mm-hmm. No, I love scotch. Yeah. Um, I love Irish whiskey. I really am growing to love tequila yeah and i'll be honest with you i can pick out very few notes i just know i love them i know when i like one and i know when i don't like one you know and i feel like if i got as into bourbon as i've gotten into pipes um because i'm like we always say i don't know anything about pipe tobacco or pipes not at all idiots yeah we 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 are ignorant to the max but Especially, we've only been smoking a year and a half. But uh, I can tell you that I can taste things and pick things out now much better than I could when I first started. Like, um, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, uh, oh, here's a good example. When I first started smoking, um, I was smoking Prince Albert. And you had mentioned that there's some discussion online about whether or not there's a topping on it and what kind of topping it might be. Some people say it's like a chocolate. Some people say it was something else. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't smoke it for over a year, probably at least. And then when I popped it open, I told you like as soon as I smelled it, I was like, oh, there's definitely like cocoa in there. Mm -hmm. To me, that's what it smelled like to me. And then when I smoke it, I get that. I, I feel like I can taste it now. And, and when I first got it, I couldn't pick out any of that stuff. And again, I might be completely wrong. But well, when you when you say a topping, though, I mean, we, we kind of talked about this earlier. Um, we talked in an earlier episode, I mean, with other blends. Um, 
There's a difference between having a topping and having a topping. Right, yeah. Like maybe a casing or something. Like Lane 1Q has a topping. Yeah, and it's horrible. Just using vocal inflections here to describe how horrible. the level of toppingness yeah, yeah, yeah. is on a on a blend. Yeah. Prince Albert has a topping. Lane 1Q has a topping. Yeah. Like heavy. Yeah. Like you could probably do it with the tobacco and it still t- would taste the same. Yeah. You could probably put some crumbled up leaf matter in there. Pencil shavings or something. Some pencil shavings. Yeah. And it would still taste the same? Probably. Yeah. I mean, there's, and I liked about some blends. Um, I feel that. Molto Dolce. Molto Dolce is that way. And I like Molto Dolce. I love Molto Dolce. It's one of my um, favorite blends ever. Honestly, I love. Um, Old Toby. Old Toby. Yeah. Old Toby's got a topping on it. Yeah. It's heavily, heavily topped. But it's delicious. It's delicious, though. Yeah. Um, I prefer to have it heavily topped like that. At least, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like it's heavily topped. Like, I don't get a whole lot of tobacco taste from that blend. Like, And it's goopy when you get it out of the thing. Like I feel like, I'm, like, yeah, that bag of, I bought a pound of Old Toby. Yeah. And you remember how I, when my shelf was over here, I left that bag open in the cabinet for like two months and it was still like sticky. Yeah. Um, that means I love that blend. Like I absolutely love that blend. There's sometimes where I just want to smoke it for that topping flavor. Yeah. But you know, sometimes when, you know, like the case of laying one Q, not great. I wish she had just gone with the Cavendish, maybe a little bit of this stuff. Yeah. Well, I say all that to say this. I feel like if I got, as into bourbon mm-hmm. as I am into pipes, because I do love bourbon, but I don't. I don't know why. You know what I mean. I just like the way it tastes. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if I des like designated the amount of time to bourbon as I have pipes, that I'd be able to pick out a little more things from it. Is what I was getting at. Because I, you're right. I I can't taste any notes. I, I can taste it's a little sweet, mm-hmm. um, and it tastes like bourbon. <laughs> but that's about it, man. <laughs> it's got strong notes of bourbon. Yeah. But uh, this one we had yesterday had notes of not so good. <laughs> exactly. but today has notes of incredible. Precisely. <laughs> All right. So before we wrap up this episode, drum roll. What's your favorite of those seven that we did? We've done so far. Um, just based on the numbers alone. Forget the numbers. Penzance is my favorite. And Penzance I know, is your favorite. I know what your favorite is too. Regardless of the numbers, Penzance is your favorite. Yeah. Easily. Easily? I okay. loved it. Yeah, mine's a no doubt either. Yeah, 5,100. 5,100 all the way, baby. Yeah. If I could buy 5,100, I'd buy five pounds today. This is what I like about the situation, though, is that mine's still made. And yours Rub it in. doesn't exist. Jerk. <laughs> you can't drink my bourbon or my beer ever again. I take it back. I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love fifty one hundred. I I keep telling myself you need to order the five the Sutla five one five RC dash one whatever it is. Which yeah. come on, give it a better name. Seriously, I had it in a cart. This is my problem is that I go on a website and I put some in my cart, and I'm like, okay, so this is eight dollars and shipping is going to be seven or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I got to throw a couple more things in here just to make it worth you it. You never throw those things in there. No, I do. <laughs> but then I just keep throwing things in. I'm like, why don't we just get this? Get this. And then I look. I'm like, ninety eight dollars. What happened to the eight? I got to do one more so I can get free shipping. Exactly. So that I, like, I might as well push it up to 99 then I don't have to pay the shipping. 
And then I do that, and then I'm like, this I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't buy this much stuff right now. You know, and then I talk myself out of it, and I just close the whole window and erase it. Yeah, I know the feeling. Many, 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 many times. Yeah. Been a good episode. Yeah, man. Had a lot of fun. We have yet to tell anybody how to contact us, so here's my pitch as always. Reach out to us at pipesporesandpals at gmail.com. You can reach the podcast on most of the socials, the important ones at least, at Pipes, Pours, and Pals. You can reach myself at Coffee Pot Codger. Or if you really, really want to, you can reach Nate at Indiana Nate because that's where he's from and that's his name. I have one thing I want to say. Uh huh. You didn't tell us a dad joke. I'm so sorry. The only reason I say this is because when Russell reached out, he threw us a dad joke. He did. And it was a pretty darn good one. And uh, I like that. I like keeping... But he was the only one that sent a dad joke. I was expecting to get some because you told everyone yeah. to blow me up. Yep. You didn't get a single one aside from his. Uh, he was the only one. Yeah. And he didn't send that to just you. No. So nobody spammed you. Correct. I spammed you a lot this week. I sent you... You did. I loved it. I loved every single... <laughs> every single time I did. Yeah. How many tickles does it take to tickle an octopus? Yeah. Ten tickles. Ten tickles. Um, I just found out the company that produces uh, yardsticks won't be making them any longer. <laughs> I like that. You know, before we go, though, uh, I wanted to tell you guys all, because I've been telling everybody else uh, about the benefits of eating dried grapes. It's all about raising awareness. Have a great night, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.